wins it. Oh, yes again for the fourth time tonight. Their number one goal getter, Gabe Clausen. from Bramlett and a shot and a score! Cody Glass starts the scoring and the Predators lead at home. He can be the hero against Daley Kiefer, the left-handed shooter coming in, ran out of room! Januzzi stops them! Hawks win their second best start! Franchise history. Welcome into Pucklandia, the longest running and most downloaded Winterhawk centric podcast in history. Uh, pleased to be joined by Nick Merrick, the veteran voice of the Winterhawks. Well, I'm a vet now. I like this. Well, that's the thing I wanted to, you know, talk to him. First, first time we've had you on this year. You've kind of been doing this for a little while, as far as I mean, overall, and also here in the in, in the Glass Palace. Oh, let's, for sure. Let's touch on that. How, how long you've been calling games here? Yeah, going to year five now with Portland. Um, really enjoying it. Obviously, that's why I keep they keep sticking me around. I don't know how, but uh, you know, here we are for another season. It's been just a really treat to uh, kind of be a part of the Western Hockey League and with the Portland Winterhawks in particular. And Obviously, it's, you know, the office has gone through its fair share of turnover too in the past, uh, just with some different advancement things and new career opportunities for other people, which is always a promising sign. But it's great to just have my home here in Hillsborough and, um, kind of, you know, really em- embrace the Winterhawks family and they've embraced me and, uh, love it here. It's, it's been great, but you're right. It's funny because I, I, I poke fun of that, Chad, because in the off season, uh, there was so much movement in the Western Conference from broadcaster standpoint. And also out east, too. Brandon changed the broadcaster. Prince George, Vancouver, they both switched out broadcasters. Um, and Medicine Hat, of course, with, with Bob Ridley moving on. So four new guys come in, and it's like, oh, all right, we got some fresh blood. I'm no longer, uh, you know, the, the new kid on the block, if you will. So it's, it's a very cool, um, you know, part of my journey as well, just to be able to, to be here for five years and excited to see what's going to go on this season. Yeah. Well, and back to, you know, as the long road to, to normalcy, you're going to get to go on the, on the, on the bus trip this oh, year. Oh, absolutely. Yep. I, that was one thing I was very fortunate of. The, the Winterhawks and Mike Johnson, especially knowing his schedule on the bus, he was always saying we're saving that one spot for communications or radio. And obviously it was me at the time. Um, so during COVID, I was integrated in part of that bubble system. So there was a 32 person bubble. Um, you know, that included your coaching staff, your trainer, your equipment manager, myself, the players. And then if you made movements with people, you know, like if there was somebody who went back home, there weren't many trades that year, rightfully so. Uh, but if somebody ever got like reassigned or just came in, then, you know, you'd have to move somebody out of the bubble and put them in. But it was, I, mean, I was honored to be able to be a part of that and, and just have that close connection still with the team. Um, I feel like it benefited me just to, to kind of see some of those younger guys when they came in as 16 year olds, like the Kyle Chazowski's and Luca Canyonis and Marcus Newens. Like we're all more familiar with each other because we already had that bubble season. Um, I, although I put bubble in brackets here, right? But we had our own modified bubble. I know there were still traveling in the division. You're wearing masks and whatnot, but everyone, uh, myself included, just thrilled that we're back to a more normal routine. Routine. Things are back to what they were in, you know, early 1920 season. Um, 
I might have a different answer for you when we have a two-week road trip, though, in January to go out east. I'm, I'm excited to see those teams a lot, no doubt about it. But uh, obviously, a two-week road trip's longer. It's it's in the winter time, and that'll kind of really get you back in the swing. Like, oh yeah, this is what the uh, the the dub is all like. Yeah, yeah, that was actually what I was getting at. I was trying to set you up for the 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 Winnipeg Brandon Swift Current trip. You yeah, know? that's uh, and yeah, you have you have you. I guess I guess you've I been did. here long enough. I did. Yeah. I got I got one trip there. Um I believe it's just I think it might be two actually on this trip with the uh the Swift Current and uh Brandon and that side, but then the other teams that came here, like when Edmonton's coming here, Moose Jaw's coming here, um Calgary. I think I've only been to those places once. So ironically, just the way it worked with the years, I'm going my third year out east, and then I haven't even seen like Rogers Place once. I've only been there once. Um, I've only been to the Saddle Dome once for the Hitman game. So, and now they might be playing, you know, splitting the rink. We see uh, occasionally two there in Calgary. So it'll be fun to get that next year. But um, yeah, it's weird because you're you're around it so often and you and I are doing pretty much the same things. We're watching WHL live or watching highlights or watching social media uh, images, whatever we can consume out there because we don't get a chance to see those teams in person. So when you get medicine hat in town, you get Edmonton town in October, it kind of kicks right back in thinking, Oh wow, we have a different team. And you know, there's some graphic side of things too, that um, you know, the production team's working on for in the game that you haven't had to worry about for three seasons of, Oh yeah, I guess I need to make a, you know, scoreboard with, with uh, the visiting logo. That's different. Not just the Western conference teams and I was doing that with my game notes and the starting lineups and thinking like oh yeah I gotta find a medicine hat logo and make sure I have the most updated one so uh, those those little nuances are kind of funny but again it just shows that we're back to where things used to be and should be yeah yeah I mean you mentioned Edmonton I mean you know longtime fans you know love that that rivalry you know dating 100%. To, even though it's been 10 years now but that was a Nice to have them come to the building in those classic sweaters and, you know, obviously the, the tie-in of, you know, the, this franchise, you know, starting out as the, the Oil Kings in the 60s and having success there. But, you know, I guess trying to transition to the on-ice product, I mean, you know, you mentioned it at the end of your your broadcast in the last game about the was it is it is it the the best start in franchise history it's now the second best start it used to be tied for the second um the only team that did better was the 83 memorial cup team they won nine straight that went all the way through the month of october in the november uh but then after nine and oh they got their loss so the current winter hawks this year are just a few wins away from maybe tying that but you know those are small potato things it's very cool to kind of acknowledge it and obviously it's fun that fans notice it we're kind of using it as a tool like hey it's a good team on the ice and those numbers early show um but it's also kind of a sign of it's just the beginning you know it's it's a 68 game schedule again so you're you're back to thinking okay the team starts 7 and 0 well you aren't even a, a, you know a tenth away into you you just passed a tenth away into the season right now so uh, things aren't really going yet and that's why Mike Johnson always waits to evaluate teams down the road and why he always says you know he likes to wait until December to kind of get a good grasp of where his team sits because by about then you're 40% the way through your year um and then obviously then you'll you'll try to focus on playoffs but uh, interesting too, cause I, you're, you're right with Edmonton and it's hard. Like whenever Edmonton comes up, my first thoughts always thinking back to those years that I did miss and the ones that, that, uh, Todd and Andy got to call and they went on those championship runs and they were in the WHL finals and you get envious because you know that the Winterhawks have potential of doing that almost every year with Mike Johnston and his staff and how well they could build a team. Uh, and then I, I you know I always go back to that 1920 season. It's, it's hard. 
it's still painful from us as the staff perspective too, as much as it is for the fans that we didn't get a chance to go on that run that year. And, and I felt the team, as did Mike Johnson, he's told this to me multiple times too. He was like, well, you know, he was pleasantly surprised with how the team did that year. He knew he'd be a good team, but didn't think we'd be a Scotty Monroe championship team that year. He always felt the year that would have been the year to essentially go for it when you, you know, the new era of teams going is that 2020, 2021 season, which of course there was no championships. There was no playoffs. You played your 24 games. You moved on. So it's, it's so sad that your two windows that they're really presented itself so nicely for this team build were the two years that were lost, um, from the playoff perspective. And then you come back and then you're still catching the tail end of a window and you still had a great team. Uh, you know, and then everyone always points that you want people to move up. And I love the kid. I'm not saying this by any means. Like he did what he needed to do, but Seth Jarvis moves on. And it's, it's not often that a 19 year old will play full time in the NHL. Uh, but I guess in Portland, it, it kind of is. I think he was the fourth or fifth one to do it, um, under Mike Johnson alone. So, uh, obviously, you know, that's a, a tremendous, tremendous tip of the cap for him having a great rookie season. I think he finished top 10 in the NHL, uh, Calder race there for, Number one rookie. And then, you know, the, the leaders emerged. Then you, you found out Hannes was a darn good player and he was ready to step up. And Tyson Kozak obviously made a massive leap offensively and then he gets a pro contract. So it's weird. Like every year so far for me has like a different, uh, almost like mantra, different message. And then it just kind of has been just a smidge short for whatever reason. So I think this year's team now, they've gone through it. They won a series last year. Uh, they played Prince George well and they were, Prince George is tough and they're going to be tough again this year. So I think those matchups are going to be very fun when they go head to head here in about a month. Uh, then of course, you know, you fall short in Seattle because your, your heart and soul guy at the time and Kozak goes down and injured in, in that game five and, uh, unable to come back or, or I guess he did, but he was, I don't, you know, I don't know what percentage he was. Maybe let's say 25% healthy. You know, he was giving it a go because he wanted to be there for his team. Uh, and then this year you come out and you're seven and oh to starts. So now you get that excitement right back up and these guys know what's going on. Almost everybody was here. Even if they were an affiliate player, they saw that. They saw what that run was. They didn't like that feeling when they left. So I think that chip on their shoulder uh, kind of carries into the season. And, and now you try to keep that winning product going for as long as you can. You're going to stumble. You aren't going 68-0 by the time we're talking here today. Um, but you obviously aren't putting yourself in a good position there to be in contention for the U.S. division. Yeah, I mean, you look at coming into this year and, you know, it comes up in conversation. People ask me, Hey, what do you think? You know, what, 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 you know, how's this team looking? And, and, you know, I'm kind of the same as anybody else. I'm like, well, they're star power, you know, and that's usually the calling card. You know, we mentioned a couple of guys that they've put in the pros early and for sure, you know, a couple of guys playing on the same line last night in Nashville that played here on the same line, you know? Yep. And, you know, so then where, where are you going to go with that? You know, where are goals going to come from? And, you know, and you look at that really unique defense core is having four 17 defensemen, 17 year old defensemen on the same team. That's, you don't see that every day. Well, now you got four 18s. Correct. Right. And so, you know, once you get offense starts to get in the puck out of your own end, you know, and so then what, you know, that, that's a, a good sign. And then you have, you know, a, a guy, you know, competing for the, for the, uh, the, the no, I'm losing the joke now. The, uh, the Cy Young. You know, in uh, in Gabe Clausen, who still, as as we speak, is tied for third overall in goal scoring in the league, and he's yep. only played three games so far. Yep. You know, and so then you're thinking, well, that's that's pretty hot, and then you're expecting a lot out of him. 
And then now he hasn't played in that last couple of games. So now what are you going to do? Well, that's, by God, that's Robbie Flamdorn's music. You For know, sure. like what are you going to do? Is like so that's it's you know from where you sit. I mean, you know, we did. I don't think we expected Clawson to start the way he did, and then we didn't expect him to get hurt. And so now what? Right? And they've you know been finding ways to score. It's been that next man up mentality. I mean, I'm sure the fans are getting sick of hearing it, but Portland always preaches depth, and that's kind of the situation again this year because you're exactly right Chad there's no you know there's no first round draft pick superstar who's already you know going to be the next phenom like Cody Glass and Seth Jarvis and Ryan Johansson and Nito Niederreiter that guy just doesn't exist right now Uh, but there's some darn good quality hockey players in that locker room and then more importantly there's some great humans Um, I feel like this group the last two years something changed and I always I put it back to Seth Jarvis um, not necessarily from what he did, but his year when he had all the flash and everyone was thinking, Oh, look at this guy rise right up the, the draft boards. And that's what, you know, uh, hockey fans like watching when the pro at the prospect level, who's going to be the next superstar in the NHL? Could it be the Seth Jarvis kid who's playing in Portland? You see him go and he's doing well. And he allowed that music just to go through. Like he didn't put that pressure on him. He didn't, he, he embraced it. Right. But he didn't let it infatuate himself and take it into like some alter ego or, or, or change the tune that way. So when you get a player like that, who's going to be that next wave, uh, and clearly he is, cause I saw, I think the athletic article, uh, just put out the other day, actually earlier in the week that if they did the redraft of his, of his draft class in 2020, I think they pinned him fourth overall or going third overall. One of those two when he went 13th and originally he was a B rated prospect. So they didn't think he'd even go till maybe the second round. Um, now all of a sudden they're saying, oh wow, this guy's in the all-star tier, uh, as a, as a top perennial pick. So you get that mixture who, who just panned out perfectly from a team perspective, from individual perspective, everything, and you're rooting for the guy. And then you look at who the captains were those two years, Johnny Ludwig and Nick Chichek. There was a culture change during that. And it might have been the slightest thing that changed from the previous years in Portland, but now all of a sudden the locker room is just so close. And everyone's really glued together. Obviously, that bubble year that we're talking about, 1,000% helps. Because you can't really see anybody. You're coming down for business three months, let's call it. Three and a half, four months. And you can't see anyone. If you have friends in town that you met, can't see them. You know, you aren't going to school. You aren't connecting with your classmates. You are literally that 32-person pod. And you're sticking together. And, of course, you're playing video games and board games and whatever jazz you want to by yourselves. But obviously the league was trying to social distance as much as possible. So between the captaincy stuff of Ludwig and Chichek and, and what they were able to intertwine in this team from getting some big name guys like Jarvis who kind of like rewrote the script with them. And then you, you go together for such a weird time in our history. Um, the team came out strong. And I think that's why you're finding that, that strength and depth right now, because you're right. Robbie Fondalorn picked things up after Clausen did. And coming into the season, obviously the coaches, I'm sure, make their spec- expectations like, well, oh, this guy might be close to 40 goals this guy might be 20 he might be towards like 40 50 assists like they probably mentally figure that out from the hockey operations side and you want to hit those uh but then when you start going into games and all of a sudden you got a 16 year old 
turned 17 now and Josh Sakreski playing top line. You got Chazowski and, and, uh, Dawson Pasternak both together in a top six role and Pasternak's back. So now you're getting your depth back. You get Aiden Litke returning from injury. Some good things are starting to happen there. Um, and I think it's going to benefit, but you, you, so that's, that's where the scoring depth comes from. And I'm sure we'll talk about this later on too. And I'm just rolling right into things, but, um, the, the defensive depth is probably the second uh, probably bigger than that. Like, I think that is the number one bread and butter for Portland is how deep they are defensively. Um, and obviously this week it, it came in a, a really tough move and an unfortunate move there to see Curtis Smythe get traded to Medicine Hat. Uh, but I think, you know, from my perspective, it's probably one where <laughs> you're, you're trying to organize a roster and you're thinking, shoot, how am I playing 10 D men? Every night, you can't do it. There's six spots, maybe seven if you want an extra. That's a lot of guys sitting. So, you know, the move I think was ended up being just the right one for the Winterhawks, where they knew that Curtis then would get a lot more games playing in a leadership role in Medicine Hat. He would have been a leader here in Portland. He he was a leader in Portland, but it's one of those. There's not the minutes now to go around when you have all those 18 year olds on your roster. Plus, you bring in the 16 year old that you want to try to integrate too, and he's got to hit his minimum games. Um, it's hard. It's a log jam. So that's where there's going to be a big strength for the Hawks. And I think they know it going up against other teams. Um, like I, I feel like I kind of saw that in the Kamloops, both games, the Kamloops, like they don't wow me defensively. Uh, Ernst isn't grand. I think he's a tremendous goalie, but they obviously know that they know they took a step back there, assuming they don't get him back. And then defensively, you had to make the move with Lindgren in the summer. You bring back Kyle Masters and Masters is great, but you no longer have a Quinn Schmeeman who's been there for what feels like 200 WHL games. I feel like the Winterhawks just had the strength in the defensive side against Kamloops. I feel like Kamloops might have had better forwards because they're all NHL drafted, so it's easier to point to that. Kind of the same situation with Seattle, too. You look at their roster makeup. They got Korchinski, who's unbelievable defensively. You have Bryce Pickford, who's a nice piece that they're trying to build around. And then just a solid defensive you know, group but not the level of Portland. So I think Portland knows that and they're going to try to exploit that with other teams. And probably also why Mike Johnston and his staff decided we need to keep these 10 guys around because they could all play at the WHL level. And there wasn't, you know, there was no easy decision there to make, which then eventually you find the first domino to fall and Nick Andrusiak getting reassigned. The second domino to fall then was Curtis Smythe being traded. So we had a more manageable number there, but, uh, it's interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see how this offense versus defense carries on kind of into the fall and maybe I'll put it towards like Thanksgiving. We'll see where the team's kind of located around then. And, and uh, you know, if, if any juggling happens in the lineups or the starting lines and how that goes. You, you, you love this format, don't you? This, this un unformatted format. I do. Of, 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 of a show like ours. hundred percent. No, we got to cut the break. There's no, <laughs> Oh, this segment's about this, you know? But now you you know where do I want to go back to? You touch on a number of things there. I know. Um, sorry. See, I'm trying to tee you up too. But part of it, people are listening, and you you said it when you started off. It's been the longest standing Winterhawks podcast. So yeah. I know I know your listeners are are down for the dirty. They don't want a nitty gritty. It. I'm just I'll yeah. cut it to them straight, and we'll we'll jump right into the facts well, as I see it. <laughs> again, it's a formatless show, and and it's uh, the, the the looser at least for myself, the looser I am, the the better we're going to be. But. You know, you mentioned Zakreski, and that's that's something that I thought about. And he had a uh, a feature here recently, right? On the he did, yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, Coin Coin News came over and did a little high school spotlight on him because he's been a great student in the classroom, pretty much a straight A kid there. Um, 
and then obviously you, you look at what the potential could have been last year when he came in as an affiliate. He slid in really well to, I think, the third line role last year. He was playing about third line minutes. Um, comes in this year, coaching staff's excited about him, kind of getting his first full year. Felt like he developed well with, in Saskatoon as an alternate captain there with the, uh, uh, the Blazers, the Saskatoon Blazers, his under 18 team. And then he's taken off. His personality's always been there. He's been such a great kid. It kind of goes back where there is no, bad human in that locker room um, where, where they all just gel so well and, and they have good personalities and the younger guys are kind of showing it. So I think that just shows the comfortability that there is in the locker room when you get the 17 and 16 year olds to to showcase themselves. And then obviously Zakreski doing a good job on the ice of showcasing his talents too. So it's a good reward kind of, uh, you know, Gabe Clausen gets injured, which by the way, I think, I think he's back even uh, this weekend against Tri-City. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but I knew he was very close. I knew he almost went in that last game against Edmonton and Mike even said post game he's like yeah I just felt comfortable getting one extra week just to you know make sure things were smoothed over uh, but then Zakreski slides up into that top role looked darn good so it's just okay everyone's kind of could fit in wherever the coaching staff needs and everyone works well with everyone else so that's almost like a dream situation for anyone in the dub yeah yeah you mentioned him you know get some games as a 15 and you know you notice him because of the birdcage you know, but for then, sure. but then you notice his play, yes. you know, and yeah, I, I'm with you for, didn't look out of places at 15 at all. And then, you know, it's something that it feels like they've done a good job of mixing and matching with the forward group as far as, you know, spreading the wealth and having, you know, some of their, their more skilled and experienced guys kind of spread out over, you know, three lines absolutely, and sticking, you know, a 16 in here and a 17 in here and kind of balancing out. And yep. so it's harder to harder to put a checking line against and it seems like you know again that might that might have been their first choice to put you know this kid on the on the top line at the moment but it appears to be working well that's gonna be the interesting part too like once Gabe comes back from injury he's obviously in the lineup right away you mentioned the seven goals in three games but then what do you do from the lineup perspective who gets you know kind of shuffled around from the line that they've been used to the last two weeks um and part of that too is just that I don't know. It's like almost like that workman's mentality where everyone comes in and they're like, okay, I'm going to be the best line for the team tonight. And then it makes the coaching staff feel good because they're like, cool, we got a bunch of top lines we can roll out. And then if you're a visiting coach, I'm not, you know, I'm pretty envious of that because, I mean, you look at Kamloops and Kamloops is deep from a forward perspective, but you know who their top line is. You know when Stankoven hits the ice, that's their, that's their Seth Jarvis. That's their guy. Okay, great. You're putting your best defense against him. What do you do with Portland? How do you manage that one? Like, okay, well, I'm going to guess that it's James and Jack and Gabe this time. Okay, well, then Robbie and Chiz are putting up three goals each. You know, like, how do you how do you balance between the two? And I, I feel like that's what I picked up the most on the first couple of games. Again, limited sample size. But, um, you know, teams in Spokane, and, and you notice the Spokane matchups trying to basically stop James Stefan and Jack O'Brien from going. And then it was Robbie from DeLorme putting a hat trick up. Uh Kyle Chazowski and Pasternak each had a couple points. Then they flip-flop it. The next game, they're trying to defend them well. Then James scores the game's opening goal. Jack has two assists. It's hard. Like, it's hard to know what what your best defense you put up against Portland because they run four lines deep, and they can all score. Yeah, I mean, most of the time when you're, you know, air quotes, scoring by committee, that just means that you don't have the horses and you're just hoping for the best. Without a doubt. But it, it almost seems like this is a case where it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of, you know, the ideal thing you're actually trying to do. I, w- I will say though, the chat off that is it, there still is that little element of you're just hoping things work out. Cause you do. You're right. Whenever somebody says you're scoring by committee, it just comes like, okay, you don't have that proven superstar who's going to take over a game. 
And you're you're right. Like, there's nobody who's going to take over a game on a single night. It's got to be almost a different person every day. So then it's up to the guys to kind of determine, you know, all right, do you want it tonight? Like, do you want this to be your show? Go make it your show. Obviously, they're, and they're all fighting for the team. So it's not like there's anybody like, oh, this needs to be my team. Like, I want to take this one over. Nobody thinks like that. But obviously, everyone's going to love if you put in a couple of goals and, and do well for the team. But they're all focused on that. Um and now you kind of just see things out and I think we'll find those guys will emerge like the stats will showcase themselves. We're seeing that in the defensive side really early on. I think Canyoni's tied for third and rookie or uh, not rookie. He's not a rookie anymore. Uh, tied for third and defensive scoring in the WHL. So his numbers are fantastic. It's his draft year. So he's trying to, you know, make statements for him going into this summer. Um, obviously got passed over in a couple of under eight, you know, under 18, under 17 camps earlier with Canada, but I'm, I think he's going to be back on the radar. Uh, and then you get some younger guys too, like Diego Butazzoni, Alex Thompson. Those are some players who are going to grow in the system. Um, it's just kind of a fun time to be a Winterhawks fan too, because even though I just referenced there was that window to win, I, there might be another window opening here soon, and it might be sooner than than what I thought. Because obviously, if you have a team that has a chance to go for a championship, you usually think, okay, it's going to be like the Edmonton Oil Kings. To be fair, yes, they made like 15, not 15 trades, but they made you know four or five trades that obviously changed their lineup. They brought in a lot of 19s to try to win it. Then you're going to lose your 19s the next year. So I know there's a little bit of a difference, but you always kind of think like if you have a team that's built for now, then typically there's like a two or three year rebuild. And that's not really the case with Portland. It was kind of like there was a huge win now mentality. COVID hit. You, you teetered off a bit, obviously, because the team lost second round last year, but you were kind of right there. You're maybe a player or two off and you know, basically a goal or two away in Seattle of at least going on to the West final. And now all of a sudden, uh, uh, team seven and oh, so we can, we can kind of contend once again. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, you know, Cagnoni and that was a definitely a, a, a player I want to touch on. It seems, you know, it's almost hard to believe that this is his draft year. It seems like he's been here forever. 100%. And, you know, a guy that's probably getting, you know, I think he's hasn't been getting, you know, his name in the paper as much as far as, you know, draft status, but, I think every time the the rankings come out, it's going to be higher and higher. And oh, he'll get there. And but even even more of a newcomer, you know, is a guy in Southern. Yes, who's getting a lot of talk. And so, you know, usually you're pretty lucky to have one, you know, kind of top flight prospect defenseman. They're so valuable. But I think when the season's over, we might end up with two guys that are kind of competing with each other for climb up that draft board and you know you almost never see that on the on the same junior club and so you know might 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 mean for a lot of tap-ins for guys up, up you know in, in front of the net I mean what what do you what do you you know how how high are you on on Southern I would definitely agree with you on both uh there's so many points on this one Chad I guess the first one is the fact that they're both playing together two on the same defensive pairing is certainly an interesting storyline to keep an eye on because you know it's one that uh, Southern's an unbelievable player and we're seeing that early on with just how much flash he has and he does some really good things without the puck that's going to help him eventually get more eyes on scouts once they get a larger sample size of him I'm sure he's going to climb just as much as Canyoni will because I, I agree I don't think Southern's going to be on many boards right now you know coming into the season he wasn't a player like everyone's you know he didn't typically teams go when they get invited for those international play that's the ones they hone in on right away okay you're playing under 17 for us or canada we're gonna watch you you're playing under 16s for them we're gonna watch you canyon didn't go through that path southern didn't go through that path but they come to portland 
and then they shine together. Now you're going to have almost like that Jarvis, Darrow, O'Brien combo where they're coming for one and they're watching the other two. And then all of a sudden, then you're going to come for the other and you're going to watch, you know, you're going to come for one. You're going to like them both. I think that's what's going to eventually happen. Um, but they also came from two different paths because you're right. Even though it feels like Canyoni was here forever. Um, this is where you can credit the, you know, the Winterhawks operation staff and the coaching staff. And when they went into the COVID bubble and they had to make the decision, I don't remember who the other player was. I wish I did, but it was one of those like, well, we have an option with Canyoni and we keep him on, or we, I think it was another forward they were entertaining at the time. And they decided, well, you know, we really like the skill set of this Luca Canyoni. Uh, let's see what he could do as a 16 year old. Obviously, maybe we, I think we think we could develop him into kind of like our player and how we like in Portland, but he only played in nine games during that bubble year, but he was here the whole time. So it actually benefited him to be here, get used to that because then we saw those strides. He went so comfortably into his first quote unquote rookie year. And this was funny because from the whole media perspective on the landscape and, and from my shoes and whoever's running different media departments and on the other WHL teams, we had to call all those players rookies again because if they didn't play, I think it was 12 WHL games, they're still rookies. They still maintain their status. So we're just thinking like, oh my gosh, the kid was here for, you know, four months, but he's still a rookie because we only had 24 games and the kid only played nine. Um, then all of a sudden he goes into this year and, and you know that you knew it was good. I knew it was going to take off. Like, you knew Canyoni was a guy that like, he's ready to pop. He's going to have a huge year because you see the flash on him and you see the excitement from him that other teams from the NHL executive level would like. And then Southern was almost the opposite situation where you had all those guys because Canyoni and the Ryder Thompsons, they made it in during that bubble year. And Mike Johnson and his staff decided, okay, well, these guys are still rookies and we feel they didn't get their legit rookie season so rather than try to force more players into the roster just to fit them i want to make sure those guys get a full year in the thompsons and canyonis and um you know to be able to to grow as a defensive ryan mccleary as a group um <laughs> then you sell southern look we love you we we want you in our in our system we just don't have the playing time for you be the guy back in in canada with with the uh, uh, pamina valley hawks and he had a great year and coaches knew it. They were impressed by it. They got to watch him. You know, they watched from afar because again, it was still during like a post COVID coming out of it. And then he comes for camp and then all of a sudden he was, who the heck is this kid? Obviously everyone knew who he was, but I think that was more of like the fans perspective and almost like, Oh, Southern's back. Hello. Um, cause he made such a good jump and he did all the right things and he just, he stuck to his off season training. Um, and again, he's another one of those like rookie leaders. I, it's not an t- official title. Um, but you can kind of see during like the rookie season, like Kyle Chazowski was a rookie leader. And then this week he gets named alternate captain as an 18 year old. Carter Southern instantly for me, two road trips in rookie leader. You can see it by what he's doing on the bus, cleaning up trash after people, making sure the bus is tidy. Mike Johnson always likes that. Um, you know, goes into the ring business. Obviously, still very personable, has his own personality, but knows what to do. He's, he takes it like a pro. Um, so it's fun to see both their paths. In a way, they started on different areas, but now they're like intersecting and they're at that same point. So uh, there's a very long-winded way, Chad, of saying these two are going to be fun to watch. And uh, if you're an NHL scout tuning in, take Nick Merrick's advice and, and make sure you draft some of those guys. The, you know, and it, you mentioned, you know, a window, right? Yes. And so you're looking at, you know, depending on – if Gabe Clawson, you know, can can maintain 
well, not maintain this pace. That's impossible. But if he can, like, you know, kind of kind of keep playing that way for the rest of the year, you're pretty excited about it. And he's in 19, and he's probably going pro, and then that's and that's the end of that, right? So then what, right? For sure. And you talked about windows earlier, but with these two these two 17 defensemen, you know, when those guys are 19s, you know, you could really build a team around that. Absolutely. You know, and so it's, you know, you kind of get, and, and sometimes we get excited about these guys, you know, when they're young and, you know, I remember, uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to, trying to think of a good example, but, you know, uh, an Iverson, a Keegan Iverson. Yeah. You know, at 15 yep. and 16, and I was just like, they're just going to, you know, go to the finals every year, and then it didn't really work out for him in that, in that way. And, you know, not, I mean, he was a fine junior player, went on, you know, he's, he's, he's turned out great but i mean we really think wow and this kid's 19 like 100 you know and and it doesn't always work out that way but but yeah i mean you but you that being said i mean you think that you can push that window farther out and where it maybe potentially never closes yes well i think one thing too that you and i are probably both grasping at there because i saw just the you know the gears turning of like yeah when is the last time the winterhawks had so many good defensive prospects on a team it's hard to find because the team's known for its scoring they like to play up tempo but now you get those up tempo demon um and you had some terrific veteran leaders in the past but usually when the you know when the team went on their finals runs they had some really good 19s and 18s this year they have some really good 19s and 18s also some 17s but no 20 it's not there's no more overage defensemen on this roster right now so then that's why you think yeah there's this huge window because you have eight or nine d-men in your system Next season, and I don't want to look ahead yet, but it's just the point of saying you're going to have Ryan McCleary, who's potentially a 20. If, you know, if he takes one of those overage spots, he's a drafted defenseman. You'd have a 19 year old in Mark Alsher who's a drafted defenseman. You very likely, if you want to agree with me and Chad, you might have Luca Cagnoni and Carter Southern as 18 year old drafted defensemen. You have four drafted defensemen. That doesn't happen often too in the Western Hockey League. So there's your, there's your building blocks to move forward. Then you're going to have an Alex Thompson who you already know, no matter what, he's going to take a massive jump from his 16 year old season to a 17 year old season. Ryder Thompson's been an absolute staple on this team for so long. You have a really good top six that's going to be, you know, kind of scary and dangerous to work with here. Josh Morey's going to keep going better. Um, so like that, that's going to be your bread and butter for the different years. But it's going to be a little different because the Winterhawks aren't used to having the defense as their bread and butter. They're used to being, okay, you know, if we'll put five pucks in there, you know, if they put five pucks in our net, we'll put eight in theirs. No problem. We'll have Ty Ratty score 50 and Bjorkstrand score 60. Um, and, and you'll go through with that. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any – I don't think there's going to be a change in the philosophy for the team. But it's, it'll be a different way to approach it. Uh, and I know then from, you know, working then on the defensive side and, and, uh, Kyle Gustafson kind of getting that back, working with the D-man, I'm sure he'll be a happy man for the next couple of years. Well, but I mean, I suspect if you ask Tyratty or, or, uh, Brio Strand, they'd tell you that they were scoring because Weatherspoon and, and Pouliot were getting them the puck. Absolutely. <laughs> so. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's where, that's where it starts. But, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, one of the other, where, where else do we want to go with this? What are kind of some of the other things you're excited about so far this season? Uh, you know, I think, I think obviously just getting the road trips back to normal is good. Um, kind of excited to see what the team does in their first test. And once you get in the November, obviously you had some great opponent tests, but I mean, the test of like the physical side and the mental side when you're playing four games in a week occasionally, this has been a light load and it's weird. Like I, I, you know, I'm enjoying it because it's kind of easing me back into things. Um, but you only have a Saturday game. 
and there's nothing on a Tuesday, no Wednesday, no Friday, Sunday. You're like, what? what's going on? Then the next week, you're like, okay, well, there's going to be a lot of games next week. There's another one Saturday game. So it's like, hold on. You mean the time we just play the three games in four nights, and now we're going to play two games in your next 15 nights? Like, that's unheard of. Um, so obviously, you're getting tested, but it's a different kind. And then you're going to go into the schedule where all of a sudden you're just, you're running. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to get the, you know, Portland Everett, Portland Seattle games back. I think that'll be key. Um, I don't know, just kind of taking it one day at a time as well, but there's some, there's some good teams out West. Uh, we're, we're soon to see a few more of them. And, and then obviously you get that trip coming on later, but it, it's, I don't know. I don't really know what the talking point is right now in terms of like today, I think it's more so of just let's see how the team grows the next couple weeks. Um, you know, then you get into that busy stretch that I just talked about in November and then you see how the team's doing and maybe somebody else has emerged. Maybe Clausen's now back and he's still putting up a goal a game. So you'll kind of get things more, um, like consistency where you could trust some of the numbers we're throwing out now. I don't know if Canyon is going to put up eight games in every eight nights, right? Like, I don't know. I would like to think so, but then all of a sudden you do the math and you're thinking, wow, you're going to have a WHL defenseman with 70 points during his NHL draft year. Like it could happen, but you know, it's hard. You don't, you don't put those pressure on players. It's fun to talk numbers because it's easy for me to look at them and just say, Oh, great. Take that times by 10. There's their season output. Um, but a lot of things change between then and now. And uh, well, I guess one of the big ones, which we haven't even really touched on is the fact that the captains are now named. I feel like that'll be a good one that, you know, just talk on and, um, the Winterhawks announcing that, um, here this week, and you know what? We'll give it on the podcast because I don't even think it's coming out for another four hours. I, but I was kind of thinking when you said earlier, you know, you're talking about Chazowski getting an A, and I just made a you know a note of that, and I was like, I don't think I don't think I've seen that anywhere. Oh, see, good for them tuning into Pucklandia. <laughs> they get all the scoops because I got the scoops here now. Um, you know what? Yeah, let's go over it because it's coming out on uh, what day is it? It's coming out Thursday morning. So if you're listening this for Thursday morning, congratulations, you got some breaking news. Here in about the 40th minute of the podcast. Um, Gabe Clausen, next captain of this team, official as of, uh, Wednesday morning. Mike Johnson made the announcement. So Clausen's wearing the, uh, wearing the C. I've been just so focused on it all day today. And I was like, Oh, perfect. Chad's coming in. We'll talk captaincy stuff. Um, so, so there you go. And now, now the, now the fans get rewarded. Uh, alternate captains this year, Jack O'Brien, Robbie Fromm, Delorme, and Kyle Chazowski. So a more tight knit group, a smaller group than what we've seen from previous years. And I know Mike kind of takes it year by year to see input from the players, input from his, you know, his coaching staff and his immediate hockey op staff from, you know, Richie and Clayton have a voice and the scouts have a voice and Mike Coughlin would have a voice. Um, you know, and they kind of piece all that together and they, they come up with the leadership crew and those are going to be your four this year. So Clausen, the 48th captain, I think it's a, it's, you know, it's a terrific title for him as well he's got control of the locker room he has the respect of him um so it's a perfect fit i think he's gonna do a really good job there robbie from delorme's back year two with an a uh and again we've already seen him on the ice take that next step so now he's gonna be able to take that step in the leadership side as well in the locker room and then you kind of get two as well and jack o'brien and, and kyle chazowski that you always look at alternate captains and think well maybe a future captain's going to come out of those alternate roles and you know obviously jack's the same age as gabe but you never know what's going to happen if they sign pro contracts kind of puts one of those two in line and then Kyle Chizowski is the youngest of those four so then you're thinking okay so Chizowski might be in the leadership role here for at least a couple years during his Portland time um, I think that's exciting to move forward with I knew it was something that Mike always likes to you know take his time on a little bit to allow for those NHL players to, to come back to the team and um, you know kind of just open up the door for 
somebody unbeknownst at the time to maybe step up a little bit coming back. And so he didn't want to just assume that these guys are going to take it. He kind of wants to see it in action before the coaches and the players are able to act and see who's a presence. Um, and that's, you know, just a great moment for those guys and all very well deserved. They're going to do a great job and, and kind of excited to see how they're going to lead this team here in the early part of the year. Cause it's a big 22, 23 season coming up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of a couple of nineteen or pair of nineteens, obviously, or trio of nineteens. So have to do the math right. Yeah. And then uh, and then Chizowski, I mean, that uh, that that's that's the A for for abrasive. Yep. Well, you get uh, Robbie the twenty, right? So you, yeah, yeah, you get yeah, the twenty yeah. and then the two nineteen. Yeah. So Kloss in the nineteen, Robbie from Delorme with an A is a twenty. Jack is a nineteen. Chizowski is an eight. Or Jack is a nineteen. Chizowski is an eighteen. Yeah. But but I wanted to to dig into Chazowski about the a a for for abrasion. Yeah, let's do it for for a, a, abusing. Do the, you like uh, that? Did I, did I smooth that one in there? Or, uh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you meant yeah. You know, earlier, I was like, I w- I wasn't afraid to minute. talk about it today. I knew we were going yeah. to, but I kind of forgot to even uh, preface it beforehand. I like I'm literally thinking that news is already out because I've been staring at it on my screen for about you know eight hours. Yeah. Thinking, oh, yeah, well, everyone knows. Sometimes I miss stuff. I'm not <laughs> you know I'm I'm not a. You know, glued glued to the computer, like you know, I probably look like I am, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's 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 interesting to see what they're doing, you know, and 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 Mike, he sometimes it seems like it's Thanksgiving by the time he gets around 100%, to it, hundred percent. So it's kind of nice. It's it's fun to see, and then you know, he loves to give it give it to a defenseman, so it's always a little different when the. You know, when the 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 players you know dictate that you go a different route, or not that not that they dictated in. You know, being demanding, but just in who they are and how they play. For sure. So I want to yeah, no, that. no, that's, that's a good point. Cause obviously you had Rutkowski won it when, you know, during the championship season. And we just talked about Chichek and Ludwig and how good of a job they did. Uh, Hannes wearing one last year too. I know he was a co-captain with Kozak, but maybe that almost was the baton that opened the door. Um, to kind of say like, wow, there was a lot of leaders there. And that was part of it. Like there were seven, eight, I think it was eight players last year. With captaincy letters, which is nuts because you have the two captains, they split it on the home and road jerseys, and then you had three on one jersey set, three on another jersey set. So then you're thinking, okay, you lost the two main captains, which is why you get a new captain. Well, now you had six to pick from. Yeah. <laughs> so you knew it was going to be probably one of those six. Um, but, but you're right. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what it's like from a forward perspective because I don't think the Hawks have had that since, well, Kozak last year. Yes, but solo since glass. I think Cody was the last one that yeah, had I it. Think so. Okay. so, and that was my first year here. So this would be my second time seeing a forward as captain full time uh, here in Portland. Yeah, he had a goal last night. It was nice. He did. Um, yeah, and that's what I meant by dictate. I mean, it's just the uh, you know this particular group. I mean, and you're always each group is going to be unique year to year, even with the the carryover. And yeah, sometimes it makes sense to go this route. Sometimes it makes sense to go the other other route. And you have to be you know willing to. Uh, to adapt and, you know, I guess, I guess literally read the room in this case. For sure. You know, figure out what, sure. you know, they're out to go. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's fun getting out. I'll have to, we'll have to make sure to get this out, you know, immediately and try to, try yeah. to beat the, there you go. Now you can, you can, you can beat the news. <laughs> that's pretty fun. And, you know, we, and we talked about, you know, the, you know, the schedule being kind of light to start out, you know, and, and easing into it. We've talked about that on air, off air. You know, and so you have the the game in Tri Cities. You know, on Saturday road trip, which you know I don't want to look past, but I'm going to. You know, and that sets up you know Kelowna weekend, and that's always a big deal for me. It's a good rivalry. They're always you know strong team. You know, they're I think they're a little pissed about you know Kamloops hosting, and they got cheated out of out of their host year when they didn't we didn't have a playoffs. I mean, what you know. I, 
what's it like for for you, Nick, in your in your chair when uh, when the Rockets come to town? I enjoy it. I really like playing the Rockets. They they have a fun playing style as well, and they have quite a few marquee players too that they're building their you know their their season around and, and their identity around. They get Talon Boyko back, so Hawks didn't have to worry about him in that first matchup there and an opening weekend uh, at Prospera Place. So I expect you're at least seeing him one night, if not both. You get Andrew Crystal, who's just like Canyoni and, and Southern and some others here on the Hawks. They're in his first NHL draft year, and he's very likely going to be a uh, let's call it a top twenty pick. Uh, he'll probably be right around the twenties. I would like to see him a little higher. I think he's a heck of a player. Um, he's very good, and he's a treat to watch. Him, him, and Stutes and Kid on the line were the damaging ones against the Winterhawks. So there you go. There's your marquee line to watch when the Rockets are in town. Uh, they also have Doc on their roster too, but I, you know I don't know if he's going to play. I saw the other day he went on concussion protocol. So typically those can linger a little long, but hopefully we get to see him and, and from the fan base perspective uh, when they're here in Portland because that's their only trip they're making to town this year, which is weird to have three of your four games with Kelowna done before you even get to November. Um, so that's a little different. You don't play them again until February. But, you, you know, you're right. You can't – you 100% can't overlook Tri-City, though. They played so well in their last couple of games. They put up seven against Edmonton. They have those young guns who are going. They are making some roster moves, but there's some pieces there that they're undoubtedly building around. And, they're you know, they're going to be an interesting team to see how Stu Barnes is able to grow with them. Um, obviously, their goaltender, Sahanic, got all the uh, – uh, accolades of the summer with how well he played for Team Czech Republic or Team Czechia. Uh, it's going to be fun. And the good news for the Hawks, they only have one that one game this weekend. So you hope all the attention is on is on Tri-City. And then I believe, is that the first time when Cologne is here, back-to-back nights at the VMC? I think, I think, I think so. It, no, I think it's been – they've done it a couple times, I mean, in the last – Oh, sorry, years. sorry. Not not just Kelowna uh, against Kelowna because you're right. They've come down always, I oh, feel like, the same oh, weekend. Oh, you mean – Just like this year. You mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for, I think for, it's – For anybody playing in this barn. Correct. Row, I think yeah, it's but, the only time the Winterhawks have had a back-to-back night at home. They've had a, they've had one on the home then gone on the – like they had that Saturday game at home against Med Hat and traveled to Spokane. Spokane yeah. but I don't think they've had back-to-back home games yet. So that's kind of the excitement of that is – Okay, now you'll get to, you know, have a normal routine home weekend. That's kind of a rarity for Portland. It feels like they're always on the road and they're going to always be on the road in November. That's one thing I always look forward that, you know, I look ahead to, to see that. Maybe not look forward to it. I'd much rather have more home games later. Um, when, when you're like, do I really have to drive another six hours to get to this game? Like, let's just go. Let's drop the puck at home. I want to be at the VMC. Uh, so that'll be different. It'll be good to see how the team kind of handles that as well to wrap up the month. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the AMs. I mean, you know, they just named. Uh, named their captain in uh, Lajoie. Yeah. Well, you can't even say just. They named him in like the, the summer. I feel like they named him in like May, didn't they? I think it was like a May announcement. Actually, I think you're right. I might have just saw it again. Yeah, oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. Cause, well, he's been active in the community, and they do a good job with their community efforts there in Tri-City. Yeah. So well, that that's, makes sense. And that's a kid, you know, a kid that I really wanted to see you know, this year, how he develops. And, 100%. You know, I mean, you love that size and that, you know, that pedigree and yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Tri City's a rival, and you know, you want to, you know, you just want to get two points, get the hell out of there. But you know, you, the way that the way that it's gone for him over the last number of years, you kind of want to see him have some success, some success, and score some goals, and you know, put some put some uh, the butts in those new seats they got and for all, sure. And all that, but yeah, no, I, I get to see the new seats uh, first time this weekend. First trip out there this year, right? Yeah. Like, uh first official one because we went for preseason, oh, yeah. but that was at the Toyota Arena. 
Hmm. Oh wait, Toyota. Now, now I'm mixing them up. No, I think yeah, it is. Toyota Arena. Yeah, yeah. 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 Toyota Center's the main one. Yeah. Um, see, I'm getting coughed up myself, and because uh, they were doing the renovations, so they yeah. couldn't they couldn't host those preseason games in their main rink since they were still renovating in there. So we went in their practice rink again for the uh, preseason slate. So yeah, that's essentially our first official one there. That goal horn. Yep. Great. Great. Yep. Great. Right. Right in our ear up there. Great goal horn. Yeah. I love the perch though. I always love. I do like going to the Toyota Center though because I'm right over the ice. Uh, you're kind of on top of the play. It's good because from a visual standpoint, I love it. Yeah, you know, I, you know, had a not real favorable opinion of that barn, and then uh, you know when I, we went out there, we uh, we went out there the trip well, it was right before the world stopped. Yes, you know that that weekend. Yes, and you know, a girlfriend's like, you know, I like this place. I like this barn. I was like, okay, I guess I'll take your opinion for it. Okay, yeah. whatever, you know. Well, there's no bad seat there. Yeah, which is probably also why you like it. Like you literally can go for. I, it was funny. I actually went for. Um, uh, a fluffy concert, Gabriel Iglesias. That was uh, two years ago, last year. I forgot when that was. Maybe that was during COVID. I already forgot. Everything blends together. But it was we were playing Tri City the next night, and we got there the night before because we came from some other city. And I'm thinking like, oh, there's a concert over there. Maybe I can go in. Just bought a concert ticket, went by myself, just sat in the you know a, kind of a corner area. But there's literally no bad seat there because there's only, I don't know, 20 rows high. Like it's yeah. a good junior barn. Um, so I think that's why you get some, you can get some love in terms of, you know, it's, it's a good place to watch hockey. It's obviously a little different. Like it's kind of like the VMC where it's got its own characteristics and, um, you know, it's a little older ring compared to what the other ones in the U.S. division have. But, uh, you know, obviously here we're one to talk with the VMC there. It's the oldest building, I think, in the dub. Yeah. Um, but you know that has has its own homey vibes for it when you go to those places like that. So um, yeah, there's the, there's that quaintness there in Kennewick. Well, anybody that's planning on making that trip, I mean, the parking lot is right there. In front. Right there, that's handy. You know, yeah, they, free parking too, right? It is. It yeah. is. They got the. I was. I remember pulling up, looking around. I'm like, do I got to pay somebody? Like, what the? I know. <laughs> See, it's funny. I never have to do that from a fan perspective because I'm always with the bus and I'll just go in way before doors. Um, but our, our team hotel is always in that same parking lot. It's attached to it. So if you ever do have an overnight in Kennewick, it's so nice. I literally could just be on, I could be on my own schedule. Obviously team's got to be dialed in, but it's easy like for Clayton Johns, who's got to come over and set up the, the equipment room. He's not worry about getting an Uber. Literally just wakes up, grabs breakfast, walks, I don't know, let's call it a hundred yards and boom, you're in the rink. Like it's perfect. And there's three hotels in that area we've always stayed at, at one of the two of them but i think there's a third one too so like it's kind of nice too for a trip if you ever want to go out and you're entertaining that one this season that's a you know it's it's a quote-unquote long drive it doesn't feel long uh but it's the longest in the u.s division for some reason like three and a half hours and then there's great and you know hockey entertainment you get the on ice entertainment and you go get a nice little bed right right next door and drive back to portland next day yeah well that drive to the gorge is always i mean it's you know, obviously, it's nicer on a on a clear sunny day yes. than it is during hockey season. Yes, but. would agree with that. Or in darkness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you're if you're the Red Deer Rebels and you get stuck in Hood River for a couple of days. How wild was that? <laughs> that was right before COVID too, wasn't yeah. it? That yeah, was I crazy. Think so. I, I do remember. Yeah, because Cam Moon was still there. Yeah, I remember that. I was texting with Cam Moon over it, and uh, I actually got an email. I first found about that story. For those that didn't know, it was Red Deer was coming to town to play. Seattle first and then us? I don't think it was us. I think we were the second one on the docket or something. Already, or maybe they already played they us. They've already been here. I can't, I can't remember now. I, know, I, I kind of forgot the time frame of that. But there was games they were trying to come across the gorge. And uh, local media TV outlets were sending me emails. Me and Piper, because Cole at the time, they are saying like, hey, do you know anything about your, your team's bus that's at the gorge? I'm thinking like, what are they talking about? Team's bus. 
And they're like, yeah, we just want to make sure you guys are still out there so we can go and get some, you know, cover it. Like we just wanted to like highlight it because it's kind of, you know, they're basically like it's, it's an unusual circumstance and it's kind of funny that the sports team got held up. And I'm thinking like, what's going on? So of course, then you pop on Twitter and you see, oh my gosh, the Red Deer Rebels were the team that stuck. Um, so I'm texting Cam and he's like, yeah, I'm trying to get Wi-Fi from this nearby McDonald's and pretty much have been here for four or five hours. So we're just having fun and the guys are enjoying it, but you know, it's different. Um, <laughs> I kind of forgot about that memory. That's a good one to bring up, Chad. Yeah. I mean, Hood River's best place in the world to get stuck in the summertime. Oh, no question. Well, at least if you're 21 and older, especially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. A good <laughs> the point. coaches will be taken care of. Yeah, but yeah, in the in the snow, it's like, well, then again, it ain't bad in the snow, but you're not. You, again, you're not. You're not. Yeah, you aren't. You aren't there for it. You aren't suited out to go skiing and yeah, certain, snowboarding and certainly not the Mickey D's. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, now we've, you know, digressed into the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, maybe, I know you have uh, duties to take care of. Um, do you have uh, anything else you want to touch on before we put a bow on this? I think I'll, I'll end it on this one. Obviously, thanks for having me on too, Chad. But uh, for the fans, I, I've been throwing out a bunch of names of people, obviously, like to keep an eye on. But just as a group overall, just enjoy the growth from this team. Um, there's going to be some growing pains eventually. You haven't had to feel them yet, but there will be. It'll showcase itself, I'm sure, because every team goes through it. You know, there's the young guys who are eventually going to hit some speed bumps and the leadership grew. I have full confidence in getting them through it, but it's a good team and there's a lot of pro ready players on this Winterhawks roster. Um, and many that we haven't even really talked about yet, but it's, it's fun to see that all kind of gel. I'm excited for what's ahead. Um, excited for a chance if this team, you know, says let's be good and uh, we can compete again for you know another run in the playoffs and just kind of take that for what it's worth that we're, we're getting back a full regular season with the interconference matchups and um, you know don't be a stranger to either of us come come say hey if you're at the VMC we both Chad and I would love to hear from you and uh, just heck go Hawks oh well I will say uh, in closing you know making you know this this and my sister show I've been you know making sure to thank all the the guests for making the you know, show what it is. Obviously, you can't have a show without guests. But you know, in your time here, Nick, you have made Pucklandia much better than it was, as far as uh, you know, access and and uh, you know, bringing the bringing the podcast. I mean, we're in the building. You know, bringing the podcast in the building. True. You well, know? no, I, I appreciate that, and shout out to you too. Obviously, you're doing the effort to get out here too and help me out a little bit. Um, but no, any any time, you know, maybe a fans ever had comment enough and and they get to you, Chad, and they say, I really want to hear from James Stefan. I really want to hear from Robbie from Delorme. Let me know. So at least we could arrange it. You know, a specific uh, interview then with the podcast episode of what one, one of the fans wants to see. So happy yeah, to accommodate well, that as well. Yeah, we got. We got uh, episodes to to tape the whole rest of the year. We got so plenty can... plenty coming up for you. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Nick.